Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. For today's topic, we're focusing on the early part of the government acquisition process. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely missing opportunities that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with this week's episode, the opening versus the closing. One of our common topics on the podcast is how government sales, the business to government, B2G sales, are different from business to business sales, the B2B sales. A lot of times we call the B2B sales the commercial market or even even the real world as, as if the government market isn't real. It isn't really happening. We're in a dreamland. In both the B2B, the, the commercial side, and the business to government, there's a balance between the relationship between the buyer and the seller and the process to get the deal done. And the larger the contract, you know, the larger the deal, right, the larger the buyer, the more complexity is involved. So a large organization like the government tends to make the process more complicated, and that's why process is always going to be a part of it. It's easy to make fun of how, how complex the government's buying process is, even for simple things. But most large organizations in the industry have processes that are just as complex or even more complex than the government's. There's always going to be some balance between the process that this organization has and the relationship side. All sales are made through people to some extent, right? So both the relationship and the process are going to be a factor because these are people making the decision after all. Back in episode two, way back when, we introduced the concept of the 80-20 rule of government contracting. It's 80% process, 20% relationship. Sometimes it's the other way around. That, That percentage changes, but they're both going to be there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Today, we want to focus on some of the upstream factors that get in the way of a contract being awarded. But first, let's say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Courtney Golwitzer of Pioneering Evolution. She's in the Washington, D.C. area. I want to say thanks to Courtney for liking and sharing her content on LinkedIn. Likes and shares are how people find this content. It's the best way for people to find the information that we're giving away for free is for people to share it. Thanks, Courtney. We're going to drift into a little sales speak today, so this might seem a little salesy. But it's important to recognize that most government contracts are complex sales, and we did an earlier episode about the complex sale. What that means is that there's more than one decision maker. When more people touch the process, you end up with more concerns. Everyone has a different viewpoint on why you should buy or not buy, how you should buy or not buy, what we really need. All those different concerns can create a real drag on a contract being awarded as it works its way through the process. And winning the contract... Getting the contract awarded, that's a result. That's a lagging indicator that's a result of a process. The leading indicator is the targeting and the relationships that industry builds based on the targets they are pursuing. So the targeting is the leading indicator. The contract, that's a result. That's a lagging indicator. It's really weird to think of it like that because I think in most people's minds, whether you're doing a good job or not is reflected in whether or not you won the contract. All right, did we win? But the did we win has been decided so far before you've written the proposal or before the evaluation in a lot of cases. And that's what we need to talk about. 
Well, it's not that it was decided, but the things that influence the decision, all of those things are done long before the contract award happens. Yeah, good good point. The decision is made at the very end, but the results of that decision may be preordained by everything else that was done. Yeah, but, and it starts with targeting. And all of those steps in the process that lead to the contract award, when they're not done, it feels like there's a drag in the process, in the contract award. Like, why is this not happening? Why is Why are we not getting this finished? And it starts with targeting. If things aren't targeted well, communication is going to be poor. Extra questions are in the RFI process, extra protests, all of those things that create drag. More proposals than you thought you were going to have to evaluate. Another one. All of those are results of not targeting. They're lagging indicators as well. It's critical to understand that the relationship piece and the, the understanding and influence of the government acquisition process are set way upstream. And by upstream, we mean not during the closing process, during the proposal writing process or the negotiation, but during the opening process when the seller first chose to pursue the opportunity. As a government contractor, you can't cram the value that you're going to add into the end of the process. You usually can't just submit a proposal that the government knows nothing about ahead of time and win on a, on a large acquisition. Not, not, not true at a smaller scale, maybe. But it's very difficult to win if the government doesn't already expect that you have a chance to win. And you have to do that way early. And the default setting to win at the very end if you're cramming in that value is to drop your price. And as a contracting officer, that's an indicator that they're not targeting. They're just trying to lowball. As we've talked about in any episode, that usually doesn't end up in a good result for our customer. Yeah, it usually means they don't actually understand the requirement. (laughs) (laughs) There's that big indicator. All right, let's talk 80-20 rule again. Way back, like you said, way back in episode two, we talked about the 80-20 rule of government contracting. And what we were saying then was that selling to the government, winning a contract, can be 80% process and 20% relationship. On commodity-level buys, you don't have to know a lot about the customer. You don't have to know a lot about the user. You just have to know that they want to buy this quantity of this part number. And your only hurdle is doing all the steps in the process right and you can get an award. And that process part is what our contracting officer friends specialize in. Then we get to episode 126 where we revisited the 80-20 concept and talked about how the larger the contract gets, the larger the acquisition is, the more those relationships matter. There's always a process piece. You can still fail even if you have the best relationships, and the government wants to buy. If you don't follow the process right, they can't award to you. But the relationships matter a lot more as the stakes go up. This is when we notice the process, when we screwed up, when, when the process overrides the relationship. Even if that process is only 2% of the overall deal or 20% or 45%, it's less than half, right? It can override the relationship. It's where the government market is unique because no matter how well aligned or, 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 or shaped the relationship portion is, The process can literally stop the contract from happening. Unlike in the private sector, where private companies can really just choose to push a deal through the process because the CEO says, I want this done, and as long as it's not illegal, it's going to get done. In the government, that process isn't quite as easy. The authorities don't lie with the people that really want to get it done. And even if the Secretary of Defense says, I want this done, it still has to follow the government acquisition process. 
yeah, it's, it's still protestable. <laughs> right. It's, it still is going to fall under some part of the FAR and somebody's going to notice and it's going to have dragon. And even if it ends up happening the way that they want it to, it's not going to be just because the Secretary of Defense said so. There, There's always a little bit of process. I had a source selection early in my career where the company had done everything right on the relationship side. They actually got the money inserted into the budget for the Air Force to buy their product. And we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars here. This was as greased as an acquisition could get. The users wanted them. The financial people had the money in the budget. The economic decider had the money in the budget to buy this. And then you get to the acquisition process. There's an RFP written that probably favored them. I wouldn't say that the requirements were written by this contractor, but I would say that the requirements very closely matched their product's capabilities. Then it came to proposal time. They wrote a proposal where on one requirement, they fell a little bit short. And we couldn't award to them. They failed. No, no matter how many times they protested, you can't award to them. Yeah, and it was a couple times that they protested. Very painful. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I made that joke. It, I had one where the, the congressional office called me and said, hey, you're supposed to award this contract to this company because they put language in the congressional record to buy this product. Thing is, they didn't say buy it from this company, and it's a commercial item. So I competed it, and their company didn't win. So the congressman's office calls me and says, hey, you were supposed to give this to this company. I competed it. They were 40% higher and weren't as capable as this other company. Oops. Oops. And <laughs> I mean, I, I did not make friends that. And by the way, that's one of the things as a contracting officer you don't realize you're signing up for is having to argue with a congressional staffer <laughs> right. about doing something that's legal. But anyway. In both cases on the industry side, people probably got fired for this. These are great examples of this. This was not a closing problem. Closing the deal, closing the contract, getting the contract awarded, that was the result. This was a targeting problem. It's they did not understand the targeting process aligned with the actual acquisition process. You got to manage both of them or you end up you know, stepping on a landmine or falling off the rails or whatever analogy we can come up with. In the case of the story I was telling, they targeted everything right and got tripped up in the, by the process. In the case of your story, if they would have targeted it right, the language would have said, buy this from this company. Exactly. Which that, yeah, that's an exemption under the FAR. They missed a little bit of it on the opening side of it. We're talking about the difference between the opening portion of a sale or an acquisition and the closing, which is the contract award. And as a contracting officer, I didn't really understand how it worked. Yeah, I don't understand this concept from the industry's perspective. I had several situations where the contracts just, they languished. They didn't close. They didn't get awarded. And the offerers would call me asking me, you know, why didn't this get awarded? What's going on? And to me, it's because they didn't, they, they didn't get finished because the, they had process problems. Uh, I had one, for, had one for equipment. I had one for a, a, the direct source of, of a systems engineering. We had a funding reallocation. That the way that it was described to the contractor, to industry, wasn't how I could do it. And they didn't know that. So I had to figure out a new way to do it. Well, guess what? It's going to go at the, at the end of the line for me of, of things I have to get done. Is this idea of, hey, just push it through. That might happen, but if I got to push it, if I got to figure out how to push it through, it's not the highest priority for me. I was so focused on the close when I was the contracting officer. I was so focused on, I don't want to hear your stories, industry. Just read the RFP, write a proposal, we'll evaluate them, and award a contract. And I was so removed from the beginning of the process. Luckily, 
had a few jobs where I was enlightened on the early process. And you actually followed me in one of those jobs where we spent a lot of time dealing pre-acquisition with all the offers and helping them target, helping them decide whether or not to bid. From that experience, I realized how much sooner in the process we should be communicating and how it actually saves me a lot of headaches later. If industry is targeting effectively with the information that I give them, they're, they're targeting because I'm giving it to them, right? If I don't give them any information, they're not going to target. And so by giving them more information up front, they would target, they would self-qualify, they would self-eliminate, and as a result, we got more done faster. Remember, industry folks, that typical sales techniques don't work for complex sales. The puppy dog clothes, the takeaway, the, 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 the last one, uh, the other buyers are pressing me. For a limited time only. Yeah. And the puppy dog, by the way, the puppy dog clothes, it's a funny one. That's where, like when you're going to buy a car and they let you take it home. And then you, like they give you a puppy. They give you the puppy and you take the, the puppy home. You're not going to bring the puppy back. Right. You're going to fall in love with the puppy. So that's the idea is they give you the product and let you play with it. And then, okay, well, because you fell in love with it overnight, now you keep it. Well, think about how that would work. If you give a, a government program manager a free sample of something, he takes it home, which there's all kinds of issues with that. Let's not get into that. But let's just say it's in this scenario, it makes sense. He still may not necessarily have the authority to buy it, may not have the funding for it. It may not be compatible with the software they already have. Pick a thing, right? It's, it's a complex arrangement. It's not one person. So these kind of deals don't work as easily as they do in the business-to-consumer environment. Which is why you have to be involved so much earlier with the customer. That relationship uh, especially on major acquisitions, has to be built earlier. Like I said, if the government already doesn't think of you as someone who can win, they're probably not going to award you by reading a proposal. All right, it may be obvious, but we need to make sure that we talk about the acquisition and execution time zones. We are on the acquisition time zone side and everything pre-source selection zone. So zones one, two, and three, the requirement zone, the market research zone, and the RFP zone. This is where we're talking about the opening. And if you're new to the podcast, the acquisition time zones are episode number three, and the execution time zones are episode 84. Once you get past that RFP zone, then you're in the closing piece. The source selection zone is where the deal closes and a contract is awarded. As we've relayed our stories of what we didn't know as contracting officers or didn't understand or at least didn't do well if we did understand it, we've covered a lot of why the government should care about the opening versus the closing. We want industry to target, and they target based on the information we give them. All companies have or should have, a, a, they call it a pipeline of work, right? Sometimes they use what's called a customer relationship management tool to track this. They need to be ruthless about what goes into that customer relationship management system. In other words, the top of the funnel of their opportunities. They need to eliminate quickly. And just to show that I'm not just preaching, for Skyway, our focus is organizations that are podcast listeners, they have between five and 500 employees, and they already have government contracts or subcontracts. That is our opening. They don't go in the top of the funnel if they don't meet those characteristics. Do we potentially turn away thousands of organizations? Yeah, but that's what targeting looks like. You've got to find just the right fit for you and focus on that. If the government opportunity is too opaque, if the government isn't sharing specific information or enough information about exactly what they want to buy and how they're going to buy it, then industry risks putting the wrong opportunities at the top of their sales funnel. What happens then? They hang on to it forever. There's the sunk cost effect where they say, well, I've, I've been working this, I've been tracking this thing for a year, so I don't want to take it out of the funnel. We've already invested all this time in it. 
as a result, they it never comes out, and they chase it, and they never disqualify it. It's really hard to get something out of the funnel once it's in. If you gain more specific information that says, oh, wow, this is not for me after all, then you have a chance of getting it out. If you never get any more information and you think all along that, hey, this is probably a fit, you're never going to stop pursuing it. And that means that industry spends more money pursuing things that they can't win. Government gets more proposals for things they can't win. And the whole process takes a lot longer and costs a lot more. So government people give industry enough information to disqualify themselves and you make life easier for them and for you and do a better job of supporting the mission. From the industry side, we can describe this using the old garbage in, garbage out philosophy. If you're putting the wrong things into the funnel, then it's garbage in, garbage out. Opening an opportunity is putting something into the funnel. Examples of things that you want to open an opportunity around is that this opportunity is for software that you already sell or it's for skills that you already have, or it's for services that you're already providing for that agency or another one. Those are things that are common that make sense to put it into the funnel, to open the opportunity. Think about it from the perspective of, I can solve a problem, whether or not the customer knows they even have the problem. That's a start, but it doesn't go in the opportunity funnel unless you clearly understand the agency's mission and the direction they're heading, and you have a strong understanding an expectation of, of the acquisition strategy, how they're going to buy. There's a very real possibility that you have exactly what they need, but there's no way that they can buy it from you because if you don't understand the acquisition process, they may not be buying the way that you're able to sell. This idea of solving a problem that they don't know that they have, that the sales lingo behind that, it's called a latent need. So a direct need is when the RFP comes out. That's, hey, we need this. Well, a latent need is something that they don't know that they need yet, or they don't know that they can get it from somebody like you yet. Right. But you don't open an opportunity to show them that until you know all these other things that you just talked about. You know that they're the kind of agency that would have a need, that would potentially use you. But that that's where the opening part comes in. That's why contracting officers, program managers get pitched things that they're never going to use. They don't even ma- match what their agency does because people aren't thinking about targeting through latent needs to say, what is an agency like the ones that I target going to need and can I solve that problem? And that's why Skyway created the RFP score, right? Is to help with that targeting process. The RFP score is a series of questions that help Skyway customers understand which things to target. And to have some FAR time in this episode, it's based on FAR 7.105. So if you look at FAR 7.105, the list of things that are in there and you're not thinking about any of those things, I can tell you, you're not targeting well. All right, that was good reasons to open an opportunity. There's also a lot of bad reasons why people decide to chase opportunities. Things like, hey, it's a socioeconomic set-aside. It is set-aside for service-disabled veteran-owned businesses, and I happen to be one, so I'm going to bid. It doesn't have anything to do with what I do, but I'm going to bid because it's a set-aside. That's not a good start. Or, hey, I heard this agency has money. Let's go attack them. Let's, Let's go bid on stuff because they're spending money. It, that alone is not a reason. Or, hey, this, this agency just put out a, a huge government-wide acquisition contract. They must be planning to issue a lot of orders. Maybe. You know that? <laughs> hey, this, this agency's in the news. They're, they're becoming popular. Suddenly people care about them. Maybe. Um, here's another one. Hey, this contract is recompeting. We should bid so we don't miss the opportunity. Maybe you should. Maybe you're not. Or, or, or hey, this is a really, really big contract, and I don't want to miss out, so I'm going to bid on it. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prime a contract that's enormous just because it's the contract that they put out. 
Yeah. Or, or these guys are right down the street from me. It's right here, so I should bid on it. Uh, may or may not really matter. Desperation is another really bad reason to open an opportunity. Hey, we haven't won anything in a while, so I'm just going to start bidding on everything just to try to win anything to keep the doors open. That is a frustrating pattern to be in. And speaking of bidding on a lot of things, hey, we're on this government-wide acquisition contract. They put out lots of opportunities to, to bid every week. So since we're on here, we might as well just be bidding on 20 a month or 10 a month or 50, whatever the number is. It's a volume exercise. No, it's not volume exercise. As condescending as that may have sounded, <laughs> it's still true. <laughs> okay, now that we've drifted into judgmental comments, let's wrap this thing up. For me, targeting is never done. You're always going to be targeting. Just because you're halfway through an opportunity doesn't mean the right decision may be to walk away from it. And government side, let let industry target. Expect them to. you got to communicate. They're targeting based on the information that we share as acquisition professionals. Without any information to, to know which things to target, industry ends up spreading too thin. They're chasing too many things. And therefore, their focus is going to be, hey, I chased all these things. One of them has to turn into a contract. Instead of chasing fewer things, knowing that the likelihood of all of them turning into contracts is much higher. Their opening process is going to be better if the communication is better. On the industry side, some contractors get frustrated and think that the government process is broken because they're not winning contracts. They think they have a closing problem. They think they have a proposal problem. They think that they have a negotiation problem. They think that the government is just being mean to them. That's not it. It's not, it's not that they have a closing problem. They have an opening problem. They're targeting the wrong things. And so when you think about why am I opening this opportunity, really, you'll be much more successful. It all goes back to a consistent message here on the Contracting Officer Podcast. If the first time you find out about a large acquisition is when the request for a proposal is released, you're probably too late. If you haven't opened with the customer, if you haven't shape the opportunity. If, it, if you haven't at least exposed your capabilities or products to the customer, if they don't already consider you someone that can win this, you can bet that at least one of your competitors already has. They've won based on the opening of the process, not on the close. The, the contract award is a result. It's a lagging indicator. Just think of it that way and, and it becomes pretty clear. And with that... I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right, see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. If you need help with the opening, visit askskyway.com because Skyway helps companies like yours with the opening. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Foreign conflict of interest? <laughs> no, it's it's the plural of focus. Oh. Different people have their... But yeah, I guess... It you can't, you <laughs> can't say that word. Nobody knows what it means. And by <laughs> nobody, off, I mean everybody. <laughs> everybody. Literally everybody, everybody on the planet. Not a single person knows what it means. <laughs>